1: It's over!
0: Mamma
1: mia, He's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network's The Big Fight Reaction. Today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend and compatriot, Luke, who you'll have just heard. On our Inside the Ropes of Boxing book review, book conversation, our little chat about your book that has recently been released. So if anybody's not heard our uh, quite emotional conversation at times, then please do go and listen to it. It's a great listen. And it also gives you the insights from Lukey directly as to what the book is all about as well. So it's great having you on again for this Big Fight Reaction. And we did this for your show uh, only last night as well, which is quite funny um, that we're doing this again. It's kind of like Groundhog Day a little bit for us. But I'm looking forward to... Rediscussing the Joseph Parker and Joe Joyce fight from the weekend, it's certainly as the day has gone on. This past 24 hours, I've sort of thought about it more, and you know how much the landscape of the heavyweight division yet again changes, or the dynamics of the heavyweight division has changed because of this victory. Now people are looking at Joe Joyce, you know, as a as a guy who they wouldn't have necessarily thought would be you know, a legit threat to some of the guys at the top of the tree. And now people are speaking about him like, actually, do you know what? Looking at that style, maybe they're not slagging him off as much now because of that slow motion style that he has. It's just very effective what he does and he's able to to do it so emphatically that I think because Joseph Parker has never been beaten in such emphatic fashion, it's a huge statement for Joe Joyce to do that, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that Joe Joyce and like absence makes the heart go fonder. Being able to sit and marinate on something. Sometimes the best steak is not cooked up in one hour. Sometimes you have to do a dry age rub. Sometimes you have to let it sit for a week, a month. Maybe the best perspective in life might come from a year from now, as opposed to the day after. To said, I think a lot of people want to talk about everything Joe Joyce isn't. Let's talk about what he is. He's a world-class fighter. He's highly effective. He has a jab that works for him. I think that he's maybe not the fastest guy, but what I think is interesting is he's very judicious with his punches. He makes his punches work for him. How do you counteract speed? Well, you make the punches short. So the distance to get to the opponent is think it doesn't hurt that he's a massive man he's tall he's 275 pounds he's basically a rugby player and another thing about him and then i will shut up is joe joyce reminds the fighter he's in the ring with boxing is a physical sport and how many fighters are more about the art and the ballet of boxing as opposed to the war and brutality because boxing is a mixture of art and violence it's tragedy and art it's the sheer devastation that you get from a war compared to the the tranquility or the splendor we get from a fine art painting or a ballet performance joyce falls more into the brutalities of war than the fine art but that doesn't discredit the fighter he
1: it doesn't discredit the fighter he is at all. I, I think now people are starting to realise now they've seen what he's done in the Joseph Parker fight that actually there's uh, a more strings to that bow that is Joe Joyce. And I think like sometimes it's very primitive and very basic what he does in the ring and it's very fun it's just sort of the basic fundamentals of the sport that he's doing in the ring and because he hasn't got this sort of fancy flighting style, you know, he hasn't got the, the lateral movement or the footwork of an Usyk or a Tyson Fury, he's just effectively like he calls himself, the juggernaut that's effectively just what he is, he just he sort of bowls his way through people, he tries to steamroll his way through people, and I remember using this analogy on your show about Joe Joyce being like an 18 wheeler and everyone he faces, and again against Joseph Parker, he's just like a you know, a small relative car in comparison, it's like them two things meeting head on and the eighteen wheeler's always gonna win that that clash, and this is kind of what Joe Joyce is like. You know, he he goes in there, he's very effective. He does what he needs needs to be done. What I liked about the fight with Joseph Parker is that, you know, I've seen him in the past try to bowl his way completely for a fight, whereas I felt like at times when he had Joseph Parker backing up to the corners of the ring, he'd take this very short step backwards and just sort of assess the distance for just a moment and cleverly pick and time when he needed to throw them punches rather than just throwing reckless punches like he has done before. He was more calculated in this performance, I felt. There were moments where, you know, there was a couple of mistakes that he made. He got caught with them, but he's got that sustainability within his chin and that punch resistance that he's able to take them. You know, that remains to be seen as to how many of them he can take, and of which puncher in the heavyweight division will be able to eventually put him down on his backside. My guess is probably going to be Deontay Wilder. I think he's the one that looks most likely to be able to... You know, he's got that concussive power in his punches where he could... Literally hit him with one shot right on the money, and he could potentially put him down. But we're never going to know unless he fights. So it'd be interesting now to see how the dynamic of the heavyweight division does change because, like, he wants the Usyk fight. There's history there between them from the World Series of Boxing. I'm not thinking he might get that straight away. I'm thinking he's going to have to go through another fight before he gets the Usyk fight. Although I'd be pleasantly surprised and and welcome him actually getting the fight earlier uh, than maybe what I anticipate. But in the meantime, when you've got Wilder fighting Elenius in just a couple of weeks' time, you've got Ruiz who's just beat Ortiz, Joshua obviously who's just lost, and this fight with Tyson Fury now has not been signed, and Tyson Fury is evidently moving on, and it looks like he's always had this plan to fight Mahmoud Cher all along. It kind of leaves you wondering where Joe Joyce goes and, what would be an ideal fight for him going forward now to sustain that level of where he's at if he doesn't get the Usyk fight? So would there be a couple of names you could think of, Lukey, that would be high level as a Joseph Parker that would give him the test that he needs before he, say, gets a, a shot against the WBO champion Usyk? I mean, I
0: just want to see him, you know, because there's I I talk about this with my good friend Dakota, who's a lifelong friend, and I love... Talking boxing with him. He's a young guy. I like to think of myself as a young guy. I feel like I'm approaching the wrong side now, but I'm still not quote unquote old. I don't feel old, but sometimes you have doubts. And um the thing I always think about is with great fighters, we want to have as few unanswered questions and especially after their career. Unanswered questions is a thing I learned about from you and Johnston. We need to have as few unanswered answered questions to have a great fighter. Right now, we have an unanswered question with Joe Joyce. Is this a historically great chin? Or has he not fought the man that's going to test his chin? That's the unanswered question.
1: And I'd like in the next year, that question to at least be tested. So I think Joe Joyce is in a bit of no man's land at the moment. Because really, who wants to fight him now? Who would want to get in the ring with him at this point? He's you know, essentially like a very high risk with maybe not as much reward. Although, saying that, he does hold the interim WBO belt. So, if that was on the line in a fight with any of the other challengers in the division, then maybe there is worth for them taking that risk. But I still believe he's more of a high-risk and low-reward element to to him now if you're looking at him and saying "Hmm, do i really want to fight this guy not so much you know because of the relentlessness of what he does in the ring but because of the fact that you know what am i really going to gain from it if i lose to this guy like where does that put me in the pecking order of the heavyweight division like he's in a bit of a who needs him club now and i think it's going to be difficult for him to find a high quality opponent like joseph parker Uh, for his next fight if he doesn't automatically get his shot against Usyk. And it all really hinges on what the guys at the top do. It depends on what Usyk does next. It depends on what Fury does next. It depends on what AJ does next. Another fight that's been spoken about quite a lot in the past two days has been Joyce versus Anthony Joshua, which you know i think would be a, a brilliant brilliant fight for for uk fight fans but again it's a huge risky fight for joshua because i can't see the mentality that joshua seems to be in at the moment not just inside the ring against dusik but seemingly outside of the ring with his social media posts i'm getting the feeling like this guy needs a break from boxing for a little while you know longer than the average break from you know between fights i've got a feeling he needs a break and i'm not sure whether mentally he would be able to sustain the defense and the relentlessness of joe joyce and i could see joe joyce breaking him down and breaking his will and beating him and that's kind of my early thoughts on on a potential fight between those two like what do you think about that all british matchup you know like joshua versus Usyk. would it would it wet your appetite would you like to see it what do you think would happen in it Well, I think the shame is like, I felt like with
0: Joe Joyce, there was an organic left. The building was him versus Tony Yoka. And because that's a rematch of the 2016 fans watch the Olympics anymore. The Olympics really matter to me. That being said that with Martin Bacoli, I still kind of like if a belt could be vacant, if Bacoli could get rewarded for his tone. And fight Joe Joyce, because I think they kind of occupy a similar space in the sense that Martin Bacoli is also a massive man. And I'm kind of curious about how far Bacoli can go. I think Joe Joyce wins that. But to get back to the original question, there's a world where Joe Joyce beats every single fighter in this division. There's a world where he can beat Tyson Fury. There's a world where he can beat Deontay Wilder. There's a world where he can beat Anthony Joshua possibility and i think as a fight fan we are excited when there are fighters where you go i don't know the outcome of this fight because week in and week out where we seemingly can see the way the fight is going to play out citing vibrant matchups and i think beyond that joyce is a compelling c- character because he's not going to just go it's going to be violent he's going to be Thing you want to watch and you're going to lose in the ring with can they sustain so I think he has a chance with everyone I don't know how it plays out because we haven't seen him against the truly elite but he has really faced very little as far in his career
1: I'd agree I'd agree with what you're saying I think I think there's nothing untoward with what you're saying about him I think it is now just gonna really come down to Like, who really wants this fight? I mean, you mentioned Tony Oka, you mentioned Bacoli. I mean, they are possibilities, and I think they could be good fights. I mean, they're not as... Maybe I don't think they can considered to be sort of as high level as Joseph Parker. That's just me and my interpretation of, of how I see the heavyweight division at the moment. However, I wouldn't be upset if any of those two fights got made because I think, you know, there's there's needle between him and Yoka from the 2016 Olympics. Bacall in the same space, in the same position where, you know, essentially he's in a who needs him club where people don't really want to fight him and he's the one that's having to go and travel to fight. The names to be able to establish himself even further. Uh, I think they are two fighters in the heavyweight division that are not really given credit, uh, you know, as such, for for what they're doing. And I think it's only now after Joyce has beat Parker where he's actually starting to be recognised and given credit for what he's achieved. I mean, the only other name I can think of off the top of my head, which I'd essentially like to see Joyce fight, and it is just a kind of a curveball one here, I'd like to see him fight Zhang. I think that would be a, a really good fight. Like they both sort of move very similar in the ring, and they can both bang. That's the thing. Like I, 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 can imagine this fight being like the, you know, the heavyweight phone box fight, where they just, you know, these two guys won't take a backward step. There'd be, you know, wild punches thrown throughout the course of it, and I just think it'd be highly entertaining. Because I just can't see what else Joyce can do. You know, like, does he just wait around for Usyk? And then does Usyk then decide to make a decision not to fight Joyce? I mean, I don't see why Usyk could do that at this stage of his career. I mean, surely Usyk could want to walk away with that legacy. So he'd take the Joyce fight. And he obviously had good success in their, in their amateur fight. So why would he not want to take it? There's a lots of ifs, buts and maybes. And I suppose just to round off this conversation about Joyce and Parker, I think my summary of it is a a really good performance from Joe Joyce, probably a career best performance from him to be able to do what he's done to Joseph Parker. And Joseph Parker was well in there throughout the course of the fight as well. It wasn't like it was a complete one-sided dismantling joseph parker had his moments in this fight it was just joyce was just a better man on the night and had the game plan that he needed to beat joseph parker and i'm happy with his performance i'm happy to see him getting credit because i do think he's a a legit threat at the top level i just feel that his now progression is going to be hindered because i can't see who's going to really want to fight him
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check
1: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Any summary thoughts on Joe Joyce and the Joseph Parker fight and Joyce going forward?
0: I mean, I think the thing is, Joe Joyce is a really, really good fighter. And I think he has the potential of being a Hall of Fame fighter if he gets the win. Individual that I think is going to be a historic British fighter. Just for the simple fact that I can't think of many fighters in the history of boxing that fought like him that were effective, his toughness, his ability to take a punch and his. um, He basically throws punches at a five and a seven. He never throws a maximum velocity punch, but he has the belief that his seven, if it lands 400 times is going to be the same as a as a George Foreman loaded up punch. He's throwing basically half-speed change-ups for baseball fans. That's all he's throwing over and over. But he's saying, now you have to get away from it because I'm going to have so much faith in just throwing these punches. I think the other thing is, I'm curious to see Joe Parker back too because Joe had one of the best jabs I've ever seen in the heavyweight division when he fought Joshua. It really gave Joshua fits. That jab wasn't really there in this fight, and I'm curious if that was um, because of Joe Joyce or if Joe Parker is no longer that version of Joe Parker that has that exceptional jab, which I think made him a world champion. I think Joe Parker's jab is what made him an elite fighter.
1: It's a very interesting thought on Joe Parker coming back and I suppose he's been a little bit of an afterthought in this conversation because the focus has been on on the emphatic victory of Joe Joyce. He is only 30 and I think I forget that he is only 30 because it feels like he's been around forever. Like I remember when he first came to the UK and fought Huey Fury and you know even then that's like 5 years ago. It's like He's still young enough to come again in this division and fight the big names of the division. But what will this fight take out of him? That'll be another answer that we'll be waiting for in his next fight and his return. Will he still be that version, as you rightly point out? Will he still be the version of Joe Parker that we've seen before? Can he get back to his best? What will it tell us about Joe Joyce depending upon how Joe Parker goes in his next fight? We'll see. We'll get to see it. Well, I'm just Sean, going go. I just wanted to say, forget he holds a win over Andy Ruiz.
0: So Let's say Andy Ruiz wants to do a third fight with Anthony Joshua. I feel like Joe Parker always has that rematch with Andy Ruiz that could lead into the Ruiz Joshua. So he's kind of a relevant fighter just for that simple fact.
1: Well, yeah, I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you. I mean, it's. I thought about the Ruiz rematch. I'm just wondering like where logically what what what's the best thing for him to do now moving forward is it push for like a Ruiz rematch or is it you know push for like a Bacoli or a Yoka or or a name like that you know a little bit lower down to sort of reestablish himself or does he just jump straight out of the fire into the frying pan and look for the the big fights it'll be interesting to see how he maneuvers his career from this point onwards now obviously he's taken a loss of this fashion because we've not seen it from him before. We've seen him, obviously, lose decisions and the decisions have gone against him like the likes of Dillian White and Joshua. But, you know, this was quite an emphatic statement from Joe Joyce and we've not seen Joe Parker in that much trouble before. And to see him get put down and, and counted out the way he did, I just feel like... I'm wondering whether this will have a detrimental effect on his career going forward. I mean, I hope it doesn't. I hope he's able to come back and give us some really, really good nights and some great fights because I still think he's, like you say, I still think he's a legit guy at this level. And I think, you know, he's certainly, definitely in with a shout of pushing himself right back up there again, just with that one particular win over, say, like an Andy Ruiz or or a Joshua or whoever it may be. You know, I think he's... The heavyweight division is strange in a way because you're kind of one win away from glory and sort of one loss away from just being sort of sent right down the rankings and you know some other guys just waiting in the wings to take over. It's uh, it's quite a strange concept the heavyweight division at the moment, but I'm enjoying the way things are going. Apart from the fact that Tyson Fury is probably the biggest contradiction in boxing at the moment.
0: Well, I think the thing with Fury and it drives, like there's this great boxing channel and I love him. His name's Calix personality and Fury and in Fury rates him. And I understand why I think Fury is probably the best fighter in the world right now, but Fury has elements of being kind of a narcissist. He needs to be in the headlines. He needs to be talked about, but that still doesn't take away from the fact that he's one of the greatest fighters, but you can't really listen to anything. Fury's, basically saying things just for his monetary gain, keeping headlines, staying active until you see something on paper.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just not impressed with it. I mean, I love, his, I love what he does in the ring. I do agree with you. Like, he's one of the, if not the best heavyweight fighter around. You know, I think that's kind of a given for me at the moment. But, and the big but is, there's too much of this, you know, I need to have an opinion on absolutely everything to do, in boxing at the moment, like he's come out and started speaking about Joe Joyce, like saying, Oh, Joe Joyce's win was great and he was this and he was that. And he thinks he could, he thinks he could possibly beat Usyk and he thinks he could beat Joshua. But then he also goes, But he couldn't lace my boots. And it's them sort of comments where you think to yourself, Why, why do you need to be involved at this moment in time? Is it because he sees Joe Joyce as a legit threat, and it's just a sort of defense mechanism from from his mentality to say something like that. I mean, that that's the impression I get from him. He's, I think, he's realised, you know, no matter what he said about him previously. I think he knows he's he's legit, and he's a guy that will make it a tough night for him, no matter what he says about dancing rings around him. You know, I think he's a he's a tough fight for anyone, Joe Joyce, given what we've seen. So it'll be interesting again to see sort of like how what Fury does next has an impact on things because if he now goes on to fight Mahmoud Cha, which is seemingly what looks like was always the case, it's going to be very, very disappointing and very critical and fans are going to be very critical of him for for taking that fight having possibly seen him fight Usyk, possibly seen him fight Chizora again and possibly seen him nearly fight AJ and all three of them potential matchups have all fallen through. So it starts to make you wonder, who's the problem here in the heavyweight division when it comes down to that side of things with negotiations? Seemingly now, it's starting to feel a bit like Tyson is the problem.
0: So Fury, to me, is someone that reminds me of Conor McGregor, where as a conqueror, he is not a king. Even though he is the gypsy king, he needs to have a journey to be he has to go after the most feared puncher in the heavyweight division and conquer that fight. Seems like he's looking for his next conquest. Maybe it's Joshua, maybe it's Usyk, but neither seemingly entice him. And it seems like there's a long drawn out buildup that he's going to give us as fans self-motivated, because I think that he feels he's vastly superior to every heavyweight based upon his size and skill level.
1: So, I'm going to shift the attention over now because I'm conscious of time in our episode and I'm conscious of, obviously, time that you're giving us and our listeners to talk about some of the fights from over the weekend and I'm just going to go through a couple of the fights that I wanted to mention now there was one fight we talked about on your show which was Maxie Hughes's victory over Kid Galahad which was a brilliant victory for him and a really good performance and I I, you know I said Kid Galahad would probably win this based on skill level alone but I kind of feel a little bit bad that I didn't really give Maxie Hughes as much credit as what I should have done going into this fight, I'd given him credit because I known where he'd resurrected his career into. But I genuinely thought the skill level of a Kid Galahad would would have enough to just outpoint him and nick this fight. But yet yeah, Max Hughes overcame that adversity and was able to beat him and pick up the IBO world title. Uh, in that process, or defend the IBO world title, should I say, in the process of it as well. It was Kid Galahad who was moving up to challenge for this fight, and I said it on your show, it kind of felt like an Eddie Hearn special where you know he's saying, here you go, here's a load of money, jump up two weights, fight a guy who's two weights bigger than you for an opportunity for a bit of money and reputation, and it just doesn't seem to have paid off. Ugly fight.
0: You know, congratulations to Maxi Hughes, but this is not many fight fans are going to be like, you know I go back and watch Wallace and Gromit and it reminds me of my kid's childhood. I don't think many uh, 15-year-olds are going to remember their childhood watching Maxie Hughes versus Kid Galahad. If you're Kid Galahad, you have to be very disappointed in this. And Maxie Hughes, congratulations for having the mental fortitude to have so many losses and still compete at such a high level. But um, this feels like this created a contender that's probably going to lose to a superstar in the near future
1: we talked about this on your show about you know Ryan Garcia being the per- opponent which has been lined up and seemingly has been talked about for quite some time and I genuinely think you know Ryan Garcia will be the one that will dethrone him and then pick up an IBO title even though he was saying on your show like Ryan Garcia doesn't really value titles so you know what value in that fight would he see in that facing a guy who he quite evidently has the skill level to beat but I don't know, but maybe, you know, Maxi Hughes could be the one to cause a bit of a an upset. You know, if he's on this sort of run at the moment, you just really don't know. Because I genuinely thought Kid Galahad would win that fight, and it really wasn't to be. And maybe there was reasons on Kid Galahad's side why, you know, there were problems in, in the weight, and obviously the jump up in weight, and he couldn't manage that carry up in weight. I don't know, but I just kind of feel like Ryan Garcia, you know, would be the one to to kind of come along and, and pick up that world title in the lightweight division and give himself a bit more esteem within the division whereas Maxi Hughes would probably get paid quite handsomely for it and maybe ride off into the sunset having overachieved in his boxing career.
0: Yeah, I mean I just don't see it. I think Ryan Garcia beats him. I think there's just a big talent gap there. I think it could be if Garcia fought Maxi Hughes in the UK because Ryan Garcia is an international um celebrity type fighter
1: so there are a couple of other fights that i'm just going to quickly shift through um and just mention from over the weekend ones that i tuned into uh, terry harper becoming a two weight world champion beating the ibo wba champion in the super welterweight division hannah rankin via unanimous decision very good performance from her to move up in weight and pick up them titles in the division after that shocking and uh, one punch sort of standstill loss that she had to Alicia Baumgartner as well last year. And she's come back and she's moved up and she's uh, continued on. And, and it was really good to see her get the victory. Uh, a couple of other notable sort of mentions for the weekend, of course. You know, we're looking at the undercard of the Joe Joyce-Joseph Parker fight. There was ones that I mentioned in the preview with Johnston. Echo assuming Samuel Ante was a pretty decent fight. I Echo assuming picking up the unanimous decision. Amanda Serrano, which I was very surprised to see on this card. I said this in the preview for it. I just couldn't understand how Frank Warren had managed to get her on this card. She added another title to her featherweight reign, beating Sarah food on points over 10 rounds. Nathan Heaney, Jack Flatley, uh, was stopped in the fifth round and was a technical decision for Heaney after there was a clash of heads, which left a cut over the eye of Heaney which it ended a fight which was, was really warming up for me and I was a little bit disappointed for, for both guys that they were able to continue this fight because it did look like it was going to go uh, into a, a really good sort of war going into the back end of it um, Raven Chapman beat Yogalina Guanine to pick up the WBC featherweight international title in a fourth professional fight which I thought was quite impressive over the weekend as well and they, you know, they were the most notable ones. For me in the UK, that I wanted to mention, but there was one fight we talked about on your show on the Friday night, early hours of Saturday morning, which was the Shakur Stevenson victory over Robson Conceicao, Sao. And we were speaking about Shakur a lot on your podcast about, like, you know, about his missing the weight, moving up and where he goes and he's ring guy QB and and so one of the greatest in this generation. And, you know, I'm just wondering if you had any more thoughts in the aftermath of our conversation yesterday about him. I think that
0: Shakur has a chance to be one of the best fighters of his generation. It's disappointing that Regis Progre and David Benavidez having young families, a young child and a wife at the same time, there is a correlation to that. We've seen over the past couple of years, especially in this post-COVID world or during COVID, it's a shame that he lost out on world titles in Newark in front of all those people. That being said, from a fight fan perspective, it's exciting having him in the lightweight division, and it's exciting also seeing that Shakur fought this fight with a little bit more of what I would refer to as being a dog in the ring, not as much being also dogging out at points And I think that's exciting to see such a technically gifted distance fighter evolving.
1: I enjoyed Shakur's performance and I enjoyed watching him do what he needed to do in the ring to get the victory. I was just disappointed that he lost his titles on the scales, but what I was impressed with from a uh, a sort of humbling perspective of his is that he just admitted he was in the wrong and that his body couldn't make that weight anymore and he needed to move up and you know when fighters make them type of mistakes you know a lot of the time they'll they'll live in denial for quite some time before they'll openly admit actually you know look I made a mistake here but this is usually like a year or two down the line for Shakur to come out straight away and say look I made a mistake here body can't make this weight anymore I need to move up in weight I need to push forward in my career that way I think I've got to give a lot of credit to him I just think he's in a position now where he moves up into a division which is so competitive that, you know, the, the logical thing for him is to go for the huge fights. And I think he's ready for them. And I said this yesterday, I think he's really ready for them big fights straight away. I don't see any value in him taking layup up fights. Uh, but it, obviously, it all depends on what fight dates they can get him, of course. But... For me, at this stage of his career, i think he's he's ready for these fights he 's ready for these big names in the division and obviously if he have to he has to take a fight with a top ten guy in the interim before he can face. A champion then, then fair enough I can accept that I just think there's no point of sleeping on him now I think he's proven he is more than good enough to win titles in higher weights and I think he can even go to 140 as well after 135 and I think he's got the the stature the ring IQ uh, and that sort of superstar element to him where I think he could be successful in that way also so it obviously remains to be seen how he will progress in his career but naturally seeing how he has done so far and sort of making comparisons to fighters in history similar to him, I can genuinely see him moving up, winning world titles in at least another two weights. So this weight is moved into the lightweight division and then going up to the junior lightweight division. I think he can certainly win titles in different ways. He's definitely got the the, the skills and attributes to do it. He's got that skill set that
0: translates. Like when you look at an in a way or Spence, it seems like physical size is just as much the equation when you look at an Usyk or a Shakur it feels like that skill set travels across weight classes
1: well that's about it for The main part of the episode. I really haven't got anything else major to go through. I know there's a few other fights that took place over the weekend. I'm not overly fussed about really going through and trying to dissect them because, as I've mentioned a couple of weeks ago, this isn't an analysis show, so to speak. We call it a reaction show because, you know, it's just our general reaction to what has happened and, you know, how we've interpreted these fights and the future of certain divisions and fighters within them divisions. So I'm not going to. Loose sleep over not discussing certain fights from over the weekend where it was mainly prospect versus journeyman fights i suppose now lukey you know it's it's just kind of time to close the show by just letting everybody know again as always where to find you on social media at lukey boxing or the itr boxing youtube channel and of course i've put the amazon link to your book into the show notes for the episode that has been released also today so please if you've not checked out lukey's book please go and listen to the episode as well and hear more about the origins of it hear more about why he's done it what the purpose of it all is about and then of course you can go and have a look at the book yourself on amazon it's around about seven eight pounds in the uk about nine or ten dollars in the us it's certainly worth supporting a fellow independent podcaster like luke i've definitely got a lot of Respect for, for, for yourself actually putting this together and, and putting yourself out there and doing it. And the fact that you're not doing it for any type of gain is just amazing. Uh, I think there's a lot of people within the sport of boxing that will certainly, you know, try to use a platform that they have to make themselves successful i think everybody just wants to be successful and wants to be sort of the next big broadcaster or the the next big media guy within the sport and it's just nice that you continue to stay humble with regards to it what it is you're doing well in terms of the rest of the action that is going on this coming weekend there isn't any major fights so we're not going to do a big fight preview this week because there isn't any real big fights going on this coming weekend so what i'm going to do is direct you to obviously some. Of the content series based that we've done recently. The Legendary Knights season three and its entirety is all there, it has finished. Please go and check it out. Listen to the 10-episode season and let us know your thoughts on that if you've got any further thoughts on on Legendary Knight series as a whole and any sort of recommendations for a season four. Uh, Career Profiles, we've just recently released the Jack Dempsey episode. We will be recording our next episode in the course of this next week coming up and I suppose it's a final little plug to the Patreon only membership that we have through patreon now the patrons of the btr boxing podcast network have now just been introduced to a new series called a boxing through the decades now it's a series we are only doing for our patrons and what me and johnston have sat down and decided to do is look at every single decade analyze the decade and i say analyze as in actually analyze the decade. i look at the best fighters of the decade the best fights the most significant fights put together for each decade our list of the best fighters uh, the best weight categories you know just things like that within each particular decade so there's going to be 12 episodes covering the course of 120 years from 1900 to the year 2020 the first episode is up there now the second episode will be being released next week which i'm genuinely excited for for the patrons who you guys you've been feeding it back to us already great feedback now if you're not a patron of the btr boxing podcast network And you have been interested in it before, but you're not really sure whether it's something you can commit to. You know, it's not a long-term committal thing if you are only able to subscribe to the patron-only membership for a month or two. Any support is just always appreciated. It really, really is appreciated because it really does go towards helping us progress our podcast and professionalise it even more. At the end of the day, as we've always said, we're just two guys who love the sport. We have a passion for it we like telling stories we like the history aspect of the sport and we love to try and present the best stories possible to you guys so by putting a patreon membership out there what you're doing is you're supporting us when you are able to then get your benefits as a result of it so like you get the ad free Versions of the episodes that go out. You get early access to the series-based content that goes out. You know, we get the patron-only content out as well. So, episodes that we don't release to the general public. And I think it starts from as minimum. It's one £1.50 just to go ad-free. And then uh, around about £3 to become a sort of fully-fledged member. You know, the, the, the biggest category that we've got is the £10 category, which is literally all in. You know, you'll get literally everything. So, if you are in a position to do any of them membership tiers please just go and take a minute to check it out on btr boxing podcast patreon page you can find it on the patreon website by typing in patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast a big shout out to you patrons just again as always for supporting us it's always a pleasure to be delivering content to you as well that's it for this episode, the Big Fight Reaction. As I've said, there'll be no Big Fight Preview this week because there isn't any major fights going on this week. But there's one final little bit of housekeeping to tell you about. I'm not sure if any of you have seen the social media post yet, but if you haven't, I was actually on BBC Radio 2 on a show which has a quiz called Midnight Mastermind, which is... Hosted by OJ Borg, one of the presenters on BBC Radio 2. And my task was to find free questions related to my topic, which of course was boxing. And if you go on and listen to that show, which I've posted on social media, you'll be able to hear me versus OJ and what the outcome was of that. And you'll get to hear me just talking a little bit about the podcast and you know great advertisement for us as a as a podcasting network. And if you get the opportunity to see the post and you 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 just spot it and you go oh look there's that post that Sean was talking about please give it a quick share on social media because it really really does help the support the more people that see it the more likely people are going to find us and tune in to what we have and ultimately it all works for everybody in the long run because it means we'll end up we'll be able to get so much more content delivered with the more support that we're getting from the networks that are involved with us and that's it that's all of my housekeeping for the end of this show if you're still listening at this point then you know I love you and I appreciate you for still listening to be rambling on as always you know where to find us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter Facebook Instagram YouTube thanks for listening to the Big Fight Reaction and we'll see you next time The dream is made real Ricky Harris rocks the world How do you like it? How do you like it? wish I was 50 years younger than I It's over! Mamba! He's done it!
0: Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klesko!
1: Let's get ready to rumble!
0: Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?